don't buy into the hype, right? AI machine learning isn't going to solve all your problems. It's not going to come in and transform every aspect of your business, despite what it says on the cover of Time Magazine. But it is a very powerful tool that you need to understand how to use in order to succeed and, and understand how to bring into your business. Welcome to Mindset, a Lido's podcast. I'm your host, Bridget Bell. And I'm your host, Megan Good. Join us as we talk with pioneers in science, engineering, and technology to understand their creative mindset and share their stories of innovation. We're diving in with a topic that's getting a lot of attention right now, artificial intelligence and machine learning. We sat down with Ron Kiesing to discuss how AI and ML are solving really complex problems. He shared a lot of interesting examples of where AI ML is being deployed today across sectors, from defense and intelligence communities to civilian agencies and regulated industries like electric utilities. We also got to speak with him on degrees of intelligence and how human reasoning and processing fits into AI. Believe it or not, AI does have limitations, so we got him talking about those. I really enjoyed that his background is in neuroscience and mathematics, which seems a perfect mix for AI ML, but also my background's in cybersecurity, so I was especially interested when the conversation turned to adversarial AI and what Ron predicts for the future. We hope you enjoy listening to our conversation and hearing Ron's mindset of innovation. Keep listening until the end when he offers advice on how to get away from the hype and be successful with AI. Okay, let's get started. Welcome to Mindset. Today, we are here with Ron Kiesing, Vice President and Director of Artificial Intelligence and Machine Learning. Ron, thank you for being here with us. Oh, it's a great opportunity. Thank you. So before we dive in, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to this role. Sure. So I've actually been working in AI and machine learning for a very long time. Um, started my career back in the early 90s, working on autonomous spacecraft, actually, at NASA. And it's been a lifetime fascination of mine, working on both natural human and artificial intelligence. And uh, it's been exciting to watch the field develop over the last two decades, and especially over the last five years, move really quickly uh, into places where we can actually apply machine learning to solve real-world problems. So what is artificial intelligence and machine learning? Let's start with the basics. Artificial intelligence is the development of systems that use human-like intelligence to solve problems. Now, that's kind of a loose definition. It means many things to many people, but I like to think of it as really meaning that these systems can behave in flexible ways under uncertainty and really make decisions like humans make decisions. Machine learning is a subfield of artificial intelligence where rather than telling machines what to do explicitly, we let them learn how to behave in an intelligent manner by looking at data, by learning from data. And it's actually a very exciting technique that's led to rapid advancement in the field. Most of the systems that we're familiar with today that actually have that kind of intelligent behavior, whether it's self-driving cars or you know, Alexa, all those applications that used to an artificial intelligence are all based on machine learning. They're based on having the machine learn to have intelligent behavior by learning from data. So are there limits to what artificial intelligence and machine learning can do? Because we're hearing a lot of hype right now. <laughs> <laughs> sure, we are. We're, we're sort of in many ways at the peak of a hype cycle around artificial intelligence and machine learning. And it's important to recognize that because we use machine learning, which is based on data, 
really our ability to build powerful artificial intelligence systems is limited by problems where we have the right kind of data. And it's not just the right kind of data, that's important. The other part is a clear ability to define objectively what good behavior looks like. Because what machine learning does is teach a machine to minimize the difference between what it does today and what the good behavior would look like. So for example, we've had tremendous success in fields like Go and chess, where the objective quality of winning a game is really easily measured. Um, it's actually much harder to build machine learning applications in problems where we can't so clearly define a single thing to measure that means the system is performing well. Another real big limitation is that artificial intelligence systems in machine learning systems as we build them today, don't tend to generalize well into other domains. I mean, it's actually very interesting. We humans take knowledge we learn in one domain and we apply it into other domains very seamlessly. But today's artificial intelligence systems can't do this at all. They can't draw on context or experiences or data from a different domain to actually understand what's likely to happen in a new kind of problem and a new kind of domain. And finally, one of the other big limitations and challenges of today's systems is that because they learn from data, their performance can only be as good as the data that we give them, and it can actually learn bad things from the data as well as good. For example, one of the things that we're learning is that machine learning systems can learn to not only replicate, but actually amplify certain kinds of human biases. So if machines are actually learning to, say, make a decision about who to parole as a prisoner or who to identify as a job applicant, if the humans who create that data have some kinds of biases, cultural biases, racial biases, various kinds of prejudices, for example, the machine will not only learn to replicate those, but actually amplify them and make them worse. So these are all kind of key limitations in the way we do AI and machine learning today. It's so interesting that humans can pass their bad behaviors to AI and ML. Yeah, it's really a profound challenge, and it's something we're working on um, techniques. We're funding research on how to actually build systems that can not only detect when, when, when we build a system that has these biases, but automatically remove that bias from the system. But it's a challenge when you build a system like this. So speaking of challenges, what are the other biggest opportunities and challenges with AI ML for government agencies today? That's a great question, and it's one that we get from many of our customers. The first place I like to start is to think about it from the perspective of a government customer who's facing the onslaught of data that they face today. Almost all of our customers will tell us that they're getting far more data than they can possibly process or know what to do with. For example, I work with a government customer who, when we went in and helped them analyze, they realized they'd only looked at less than 5% of their data ever. and. Faced with that kind of volume of data, you know, they had a fundamental challenge. Now, the beauty and the opportunity afforded by AI and machine learning is that you can turn that onslaught of data from a challenge into actually an opportunity because you can use all that data to actually train the machine how to improve. So the machine can use all that data to actually learn to perform better and better if it's trained in the right ways. So that's sort of the greatest opportunity afforded, I think, by machine learning is just turning the data challenge that many of our customers face on its head into an opportunity. But I think there are a lot of other things that we have the opportunity to do using AI and machine learning for our customers as well. For example, there are many, many tasks that humans perform today that can be automated using techniques like robotic process automation. So we can free up human time from doing 
really not very value-adding tasks like copying data from one application to another into really valuable tasks like doing higher cognitive processing on the same information. So they're great opportunities for automation. Now, let me get to tell you about a little other interesting thing you can do you know, when you can apply automation into systems. And it comes from the program we're doing called Sea Hunter for the Navy. So Sea Hunter is a fully autonomous vessel we've built for the Navy that's actually transited the Pacific all the way from San Diego to Hawaii completely you know, without human intervention. One of the interesting things, it's a great, tremendous opportunity to reduce manpower on naval vessels and operate more cheaply. But another really cool opportunity is that when you build a system like that that doesn't have humans aboard, you can actually build the vessel quite differently and more efficiently than a human-operated vessel would be. So there are lots of different opportunities afforded by inserting AI and machine learning into real systems. But there are challenges, too. One of the things we hear from many of our customers who've made first forays into AI and machine learning is that they've tried it, they've built some models, they've got some initial successes, but they're not actually generating any real business value from AI and machine learning. They struggle from getting past the conceptual stage where they've shown that they have a model that can do some useful thing, like predict when failures of a component are gonna occur, and actually putting that into operation. So we at Lidos work with a lot of our customers on moving beyond what we call just this simple data science models into supporting a whole life cycle of AI and machine learning. And this is a journey for many of our customers. We have to kind of walk them through. So it's not just about, I can do a little bit of data science or build a model in a lab. It's about collecting the data, actually building something in a lab, but then moving it into production and then sustaining it through its entire life cycle. That's a challenge, I think, to any government agency that wants to deploy AI and machine learning. And it's typically a very large hurdle to go from what they can do in a data science environment where they just test out a concept to actually putting something out into the field, deploying it and sustaining it, right? That's the challenge that every government customer has, and it's something that we work with them very closely on. So with that, Ron, you have talked about how you interact a lot with different customers, and I know within the company you interact with people who want to apply ML or AI more broadly to some of their projects. We have AI Palooza, where there's almost the showcase of those across the company. What, in your mind, is some of the most exciting uses of AI that you've heard about recently? Well, I'll tell you one of my favorite projects that we're doing over in our civil group in the energy sector. So this is a really interesting problem that they brought to me. I didn't really understand until they described it to me. But, you know, if you go to your local utility company and you ask them about how all of their power poles you know, what all the equipment is on all their power poles, they actually don't quite know the exact distribution of all of their equipment because when line workers go out, they move lines around and so on. So the typical electrical utility company doesn't actually know the location of all their physical assets. So some super smart folks in our energy practice came up with the idea of using AI and machine learning to actually be able to help automatically learn the whole structure of a local electrical grid. How do they do that? Well, first, we fly drones over an area and use LIDAR to actually collect data on where the power poles are. 
When we've got that data, we then take available surface level images of power poles from things like Google Street View and other sources, look on those pictures of the power poles and actually classify all the electrical equipment on those power poles. And using these kinds of techniques with very high accuracy, we can locate where all the equipment is in a local electrical utility distribution network. And it's a great application of AI and machine learning to solve a really hard problem that would be incredibly human intensive to try to solve using you know, just people driving around in trucks. I love that example because our electric utility infrastructure is aging. And I think, like you said, utilities also don't know where they are because they're getting older and they were installed 70 years ago. And so to be able to bring new technology to infrastructure that is decades old and find that new solution, that's a, a very cool example. Yeah. And, and it's very current because, you know, we're looking at how the state of California right now is having to shut down huge areas of the electrical grid because they can't really monitor what's happening effectively. So if we can use AI and machine learning to automate our understanding of a grid like that, we actually could potentially be able to help alleviate some of the problems that a state like California is facing. And even further, I mean, being someone who lives out kind of in the boonies, when the power goes out, we're out for a few days, right? So if there is more knowledge that those utilities can pull from and say, oh, well, the power is out here because of these kinds of pieces of equipment, I mean, the faster time to being back up would be such a better value for me as a customer too. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great application and we're really excited about it. Really cool. Even with these interesting applications, AI is not a magic wand. And like we talked about, there's a lot of hype around it. So what do you see are the key elements of a successful AI system or project? What what can you do to make it more successful, move beyond the hype? That's, again, a great question and something that we really focus on here at Lidos. Typically, when we get together with a customer and work on an engagement, the key first step is defining the right problem that you want to deploy AI and machine learning against. A lot of the engagements that I and my team have are actually going out and sitting down with customers and really defining the right AI machine learning problem. Because a lot of folks will come in and tell us, we want to use AI and machine learning, but we don't know what to do, right? And the first thing is, is defining a really a good problem where you have good data available and where, and this is the most crucial part, you're going to be able to measure the value that AI and machine learning brings. Because a lot of folks just want to come in and try things that don't actually deliver business value. And at Lidos, we really want to focus on making sure that the AI machine learning solution we bring is going to be ultimately delivering business value to the customer. So once you've defined that kind of right, clear objective, a business objective you want to maximize, and you figured out how you're going to deliver, you know, kind of a real return on that AI machine learning investment, obviously the next step is you've got to make sure you've got a problem where data is available and where you've got the right data to answer the problem. Sometimes this can be really creative. For example, figuring out ways to use maybe proxy data that's available from another source. At Lidos, we've developed a lot of solutions where we can use a combination of real and simulated data. So there are a lot of clever ways to use data to build models, but that is really a crucial next step of the problem. One other real challenge for everyone in this industry is making sure you've got the right talent. I think people are aware, you know, for example, of the fact that it's pretty tough to hire great AI machine learning talent, uh, you know, depending on who you ask, you know, it's near impossible. 
On the other hand, what we find is um, we've got actually a lot of great machine learning talent within Lidos, both folks who've been doing it for a long time and really enjoy doing it at Lidos because we give them the opportunity to solve really interesting problems. But also we've got a tremendous set of people with all the fundamental of mathematical and statistical skills necessary and computer programming skills necessary. And we work on upskilling them to become expert practitioners of AI and machine learning because they were, you know, an applied mathematician or a statistician whose, you know, fundamental knowledge makes them eminently qualified to take up the field. And then we help them get upskilled. We give them problems and projects to work on to really increase their skill level. And then we've brought them together into an AI machine learning accelerator so we can kind of make them available to our customers across the company and to work on the company's most important problems using AI and machine learning. Because I will say that access to talent to actually build the solutions is a big bottleneck for many organizations. And then, you know, finally, as I talked about, the, the ability to understand how to support the whole AI machine learning lifecycle, having kind of models for how you're going to do that, that's critical to delivering the ultimate return on investment to the customer. Because again, there's this huge hurdle between saying, I built a model for you and saying, I'm actually put this into production, I figured out how you're going to sustain it, I figured out how you're going to update your models over the whole life cycle so that you're ultimately, you know, getting the real cost savings, getting the more greater efficiencies, getting the higher performance that you've actually asked for in the first place. So switching gears a little, but kind of carrying on your thought of operating and maintaining these models over time, you know that I'm a cybersecurity person and I see AI as a new attack surface really within any deployed environment. What are your thoughts on protecting the models once they're out there, once they're actually manipulating data that's coming across, and actually probably the data itself? How are you thinking that we can really protect? Yeah, it's such a critical insight that you bring there because it is absolutely another attack surface. Once you deploy AI machine learning models out into the field, there's a whole new growing area of research around how you can bring, you know, how you can attack these models different ways by attacking the data, by attacking kind of the inputs to the model and trying to get the system to do things you might want to do. We call these different kinds of attacks. Spoofing, for example, if you try and give the data that give the system data that might fool it. Poisoning by actually giving the model during training some some data that'll actually make it behave uh, incorrectly. And now there are even these interesting attacks people use to try to, if you've trained a model, to actually try to reverse engineer the model and steal the data you use to train your model, which, for example, in the world of, of health, where you might use, you know, privacy protected information or intelligence, where you might be using classified data to train a model, suddenly becomes this new security vulnerability. So we work closely with partners and we fund our own internal research and development on ways to build certifiably robust AI machine learning solutions that can detect when they're attacked and defend themselves, either by changing their behavior or by diversifying the way that they behave so that they kind of have security built in from the beginning. Um, but it is absolutely critical when you think about deploying into any safety critical situation, any situation where a model is going to be exposed out into the environment that you can consider the fact that people can attack these models and that there's a whole growing body of literature that makes it very easy, you know, for people to do this. They don't even have to be great 
you know, scientists or researchers. There are kits you can pull right off the web that explain how to attack a machine learning model. And again, at Lidos, we're working on how we secure those models so that once they're deployed, they're not going to be vulnerable to those kind of attacks. That's very cool. And I love seeing that all the the traditional terms, you know, spoofing, poisoning from the cybersecurity field are really playing out again in this new new way for a different vulnerability too. I'm looking forward to see how that goes, this machine to machine kind of combat. <laughs> the responses being taken by based on the data, based on the model. And then for all of us as almost observers of that activity happening and trying to shape it the best way that we can? Well, I hope, and I I am encouraged by the fact that we're taking on, in the field of machine learning, we're taking on these challenges relatively early in the growth of the field. I mean, I think, you know, we all have seen around the world of, especially network security, that we all deployed out all these models for communication and networking that really were never secured up front. Uh, And I think in the world of AI machine learning, people are talking about how can we build in the security layer early in the deployment of these solutions instead of leaving it as a bolt-on for later with all the inherent problems we've seen in the world of network protection where we've never really achieved full protection against the range of threats. Right. And I think that that's probably something it's good to consider early and you can't be perfect, right? but, uh, um, and maybe we never will be, but it, it's a brilliant thing to consider at this point. Yeah. So AI is all about making predictions. So what are your predictions for the trends that we'll see for integration of AI and machine learning? One of the trends I think we're going to see, and we already are starting to see it emerge, is a much greater focus on building systems that help humans and machines interact effectively. In the commercial world, we've already gotten used to things like, you know, talking to our Alexa and so on. But in those voice-driven systems, I think we'll see a much greater use of dialogue. You know, right now, current systems, you kind of have, you said one thing to your Alexa and it's almost like stateless, like you can't remember the last thing you said. And, uh, you know, so I think we're seeing a much greater growth in the opportunity to have conversational technology that allow us to interact in a much more seamless and conversational way. With visual interfaces, people are playing a lot with how humans can interact with AI and machine learning, and even to some extent explain how AI and machine learning are making decisions, or at least kind of have enough insight into how they operate that they can interact more effectively with machines. So I think that focus on human-machine interaction is going to be really big over the next several years. Again, I think we're going to see a lot of focus on going, as we, as I talked about, going that journey from, okay, hype, I got some AI machine learning, to actually value, to how does AI machine learning really deliver business value that transcends just saying, I did it and it's cool, right? Um, to actually, what what is the real business case? And then Sadly, I think it's probably not too long before we see some high-profile failures associated with AI and machine learning. You know, we're getting these systems out there. We've already started to see accidents from self-driving cars and other kinds of things. And I think I talked about the fact that, you know, Lidos is working on ways to protect systems against attack and so on. But frankly, there are a lot of systems being put out there that are not adequately protected. Um, So I think it's probably just a matter of time before we see a high profile attack or we see a failure of some system that's been put into a critical situation where AI machine learning is is blamed for that failure. So I think in the short term, that's kind of, you know, those are some challenges I think we're going to, or some, you know, some trends we'll see in the field. I think in the medium term, 
term, one of the things we're going to see kind of, and, and this is Megan, toward your interest in the, in the cyber world, is the integration of AI, machine learning, and cyber. I mean, we already see AI and machine learning used to try to detect attacks or find patterns in the data. I think what we're going to see, though, is essentially AI and machine learning brought into the world of actually controlling our cyber defenses, because we're going to be dealing with adversaries who are using AI machine learning to attack us actively, not just you know, to actually figure out what our vulnerabilities are and constantly be attacking. And the only way we'll be able to defend ourselves is by having AI machine learning actually be on the defensive side, because things will happen far too quickly for a human to control. I really think that's a big trend we'll see. Um, and I also think we're going to see, you know, in the medium term, kind of an intersection between the world of AI machine learning and the world of virtual reality in some really interesting ways. Over the long term, you know, it's really interesting. People talk about this problem of general AI, you know, artificial intelligence that could potentially solve any kind of problem. And it's a really interesting idea. What's cool is that if you talk to researchers in AI and machine learning, they'll say, well, that's 10 years away. And when they say 10 years away, what they mean is they have no idea how we're going to solve this problem. <laughs> and it's still the case that if you talk to the smartest researchers in the field, they say it's 10 years away. Again, if you hear anybody say that, that just means we don't know yet. That's exciting, right? It means there are hard problems left to solve in this field. And it's a great field to be kind of a part of and working on because those general intelligence problems are just fascinating. I want to go back to one of the earlier points you made, and you've talked about it a couple of times, about how AI and machine learning is really a journey that from finding the data and implementation through actually finding the business value. So where are you seeing government agencies fall in that journey? Are there a lot that are close to finding that business value and coming through the journey, or are they all still at the beginning? I think it really depends on the customer and how they've chosen to approach the problem. Some customers have sort of divided off AI machine learning as a little problem area. They've set up a lab or you know, set up some kind of discrete activity that's AI machine learning focused. And typically what we find there is you, know, you find some really smart people and it's really exciting and they're having, you know, doing really cool work that gets published, but there's no way to flow the results of their work into real deployed solutions for their customers or for that, you know, for themselves, right? On the other hand, we have programs that are really exciting. We have one program we do for an intelligence community customer where they asked us to integrate AI machine learning as part of a whole system. And here in that program, we've actually deployed about 20 different machine learning algorithms as machine learning microservices that process petabytes of data in a dynamic data pipeline. And that is delivering tremendous business value that's turned kind of a data challenge that they had from you know, petabytes of heterogeneous data into this powerful discovery platform where analysts can actually find any data that they're looking for using a really simple and intuitive interface, all powered by AI machine learning. So I think it really depends. We're seeing a lot of different results from our customers. Now, the good news is because we have such a broad reach across customers and markets, you know, we as Lidos are able to bring kind of best practices from where we're seeing it being done best for certain government customers to as many of our government customers are ready to kind of take this journey with us and kind of talk about best practices, about what's worked in really successful deployments, and about what some of the pitfalls are that kind of keep AI machine learning from being deployed successfully as well. So you've been involved in this field, as you said, for a very long time, and I'm sure have gone through your share of the hype cycles, but also your share of what the customer challenges are and where they are. To Bridget's question, 
Are you still finding that there are the same kind of fears or the the scariness of AI? Is that coming through or is it are people more in the ready to try stage or are they past that? You know, I would just think that as you're bringing any new technology, there's always the naysayers, right? So where do you see where we are right now? I think we talk to people at, you know, along every stage of their their feeling of threat about AI machine learning. You know, for some people, they look at it as a threat that's going to take their jobs away, right? And for others, you know, we've got early adopters who are leaning forward and coming up with incredibly exciting and innovative ideas for how they can transform business using AI and machine learning. So we work with people at every stage of that journey. One of the things we find is that there's a model, I think, for introducing AI and machine learning that really works well um, when you have an organization that has a lot of people across every stage, right? And the first is when you bring in AI and machine learning for a lot of reasons, it's really good to start with a model where the AI machine learning is just assisting humans do their jobs better, um, whether it's helping them find the data they're looking for. You know, we, th- we don't even think about the fact that we use AI every time we use Google to go search the internet, right? That's a model where, you know, we're using the computer to help do our jobs better, right? But if you start kind of at the simplest where AI machine learning helps me communicate more easily than having to pull down my phone and search for a song because I just told Alexa what I wanted, right? That's pure assistance to a model where, you know, now maybe the machine learning is maybe helping me do a job differently than I could have before at a scale I couldn't before because it augments my intelligence, right? So I'm still really driving the system, but now I can do tasks maybe I couldn't do, like I'm searching through hundreds of hours of video, but the machine's helping me find all the segments where interesting things happen so I can look at them and make sense of them, right? And instead of processing eight hours of video a day, I can process hundreds of hours of the important video because that's only eight hours of interesting material for me to review. And then finally, into modes where systems can become truly autonomous, where we can trust that we can put a, a Navy vessel out into the ocean and you know conduct operations at sea completely unmanned. It's really a journey. And if you try to jump right to the end, then those people who are concerned and feel threatened or, or rightly raise concerns about the safety and, and security of putting these solutions out into the field immediately, you fail kind of tripping up and not succeeding. So we've this multi-step process of building an AI machine learning gradually, we find is really the best model that brings everyone along and actually kind of makes everyone's lives better through the application of AI and machine learning. So it's so interesting because I think, like we've talked about, some people do feel threatened by AI and ML. But as you talk through that, there's just such great opportunity for humans to be able to do their jobs better and more effectively and efficiently through these uses of technology. So I think those examples are really interesting. Switching gears a little bit, I feel like we could we could spend hours talking with you on this subject. It's such an exciting topic and your passion for it is very clear. But let's wrap up with one final question of what advice do you have for the market? 
we've talked a little bit about this already. Don't buy into the hype, right? AI machine learning isn't going to solve all your problems. It's not going to come in and transform every aspect of your business, despite what it says on the cover of Time Magazine. But it is a very powerful tool that you need to understand how to use in order to succeed and, and understand how to bring into your business. So, you know, my advice is choose a partner who understands how to guide you through this journey. Don't believe everything you read. Don't go to conferences and believe people who give you glossy marketing materials. Work with a partner who can show you that they've walked this journey with others and help them actually not just build something that looks cool, but actually get measurable business value from it. Because that's the hardest part of succeeding in AI and machine learning. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was great speaking with you today, Ron. And great speaking to you guys. Thanks. And thank you to our audience for listening to Mindset. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your colleagues and visit lidos.com slash mindset. And if you are specifically interested in AI ML, please visit lidos.com slash AI. Mm-hmm.